<laughs> you want your five-star matches? <laughs> you want your 30-minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> What is up, everybody? This is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, We Too Deep. Um, just do some quick housekeeping. Um, you can go find me on TikTok and Twitter at We Too Deep 413. That's W E T O O D E E P 413. Um, you can also join our Discord chat and join all the fun that comes from there. We got some more questions there uh, that we're going to answer there and some other wrestling news and and topics that we're going to discuss tonight, well, today, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, I'm recording this right after SmackDown ended. Just did a fun little watch along with the casual community um, Discord. Uh, some people there, we had Gossamer and Nerdy D hosting it. Um, and so if y'all want to, you know, get a part of that and, and, and watch SmackDown with us, and I think we're going to do premiere live events as well, you got to get in the, get in the discord to be a part of, of, of that chat, um, as we, we work on, you know, making that better for everyone. Um, so we'll finish housekeeping with uh, the slapping meat brackets that I've been doing. I almost forgot about it, to be honest with you, for for this uh, this episode. Um, but the matches we've been voting on in the Discord. For those who don't know, if you go to slapping brackets, we're doing women right now, thirty-two current, what I would call future NXT, and then. Uh, past women in a bracket and to see who the community ranks as the top female superstar in WWE past, present, and future. Um, the What we were voting on this past week was Stacey Keebler versus Stephanie McMahon and then Roxanne Perez versus Jacqueline in what would be considered our first upset because it's a lower seed Roxanne Perez has beaten Jacqueline in the voting. And then Stephanie McMahon has also defeated Stacey Keebler. Um, I'm not going to really break down as I have been. Um, I actually agree. I actually voted for both the winners here. Um, I, I'm just be completely honest with you. I had the biggest crush ever on Stephanie. Like growing up, I just, I, it, she was just one of the, the women on the roster I had the biggest crush on. And I'm just going to be honest. Like, Stacy was there for her legs. That's all she's remembered for. And so, she's she she's an important part of, of the history. But I think the choosing of Stephanie was correct by the the uh, community here. And then Rocklin, or Rocklin, Roxanne over Jacqueline. 
Um, I'm a little bit surprised with this one, but not that surprised. Roxanne is definitely, I think, a better wrestler than Jackie was. Um, and so I, I do like um, that, uh, that, that result as well. Um, so the what we're going to be voting on for the, the next seven days, you can go in the Discord and vote. Um, you'll have to join the Discord. You can do that by going to the Casual Community YouTube page with Notorious Nerdy D. He has the link in the descriptions of his videos. Um, get in there. Go under the channel called Slapping Meat Podcast, and there's something that says like Slapping Bracket, Slapping Meat Brackets. Um, this week's voting will be between Tori Wilson and Naomi and Carmella and Tiffany Stratton, um, which should be a very interesting, uh, set of matchups there. Um, we could see two upsets. I, uh, if Naomi and Tiffany win, we could technically see two upsets in this, in this week of voting which would make it very interesting heading into, you know, the second round. That's the second round starting to, to take shape here. Uh, but go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, as we, we, we got some stuff to talk about, the big news story that I, I want to talk about is um, AEW comes out and lists a bunch of things that have either been banned or you need approval from a trainer to do um and so let me pull up that uh I want to I want to read from the actual um th- I think it's from Fightful. Um I'm going to read exactly what I shared in the Discord. Um, which was the pictures of, I think, Fightful's report on it. There could be some major changes coming to the in-ring All Elite Wrestling product very soon. Fightful has learned of a document that was sent out within the company recently that outlined some of the changes that the company was planning to make in regards to performer and fan safety. It's important to note that while multiple people in the company confirmed the document was legitimate, There are numerous talent who said they had never seen it as of yet. Um, There were protocols developed by AEW medical team, coaches, and referees to help protect talent, staff, crew, and fans. The document said that while there is always risk in pro wrestling, they wanted to minimize that risk without compromising the quality of the talent's performances and ability to be creative. Specifically, a document was sent out that outright banned unprotected chair shots to the head, shots to the back of the head, the buckle bombs, and blind moves backwards into the turnbuckle, fencing responses, or the unnatural position of arms following a concussion, seizure cells, spitting, bleeding into the crowd, weapons or projectiles in the crowd, taking drinks or food from guests in the crowd, or physical contact with the crowd itself. We're told that nothing with blood on it should be thrown into the crowd. This will affect the offense of a few wrestlers, but largely buckle bombs and attacks of the like seem to be the only ones not allowed. However, there have been several instances of bleeding wrestlers in the crowd, and MJF has been known 
for his physical interaction with fans as uh, has Brian Danielson for seizure-esque cells. Uh, there was also a group of spots that was much more broad that was listed but are still permitted. However, they must be approved by medical and the coaches assigned to the match. It was noted that this list was not a comprehensive one and could be adjusted by medical, legal, and coaching staff. When approved, the moves on the when approved, the moves are to be performed in accordance with the safety protocols in place. Below is a list verbatim from the document of moves that need to be approved by a coach. Quote, spots and bumps on the ring apron and outside. Table ladder chair spots in and out of the ring only allowed with padding. Any elevated spots outside of the barricade, dives and ladder spots on the stage, around the arena and other places around the ring. All pile drivers... Tombstone variations, including sit-down pile drivers, inverted, uh, inverted hurricane ranas, poison hurricane ranas, and vertebrakers. High-risk dives or top rope moves, the 450s, 360s, double moonsaults, etc. Intentional bleeding of any sort, not just blading. Throwing people into, through, over ring steps, commentary table, bell table, guardrails, and barricades, and any... Weapon usage, thumbtack, skewers, barbed wire, and other sharp, punctured objects, etc. Um, and so, the response that I want to have to this is, Tony Khan, you grew some fucking balls, man. So the first thing that, I, that, that, that sort of came to mind is, and I know he probably doesn't listen to my show, but... Nerdy D has a little bit bigger presence on TikTok. Um, actually, I'm about to go look up that video real quick so that I have more realistic info, uh, information. Um, the point that I'm trying to say, did this video, could this video have gotten back to Tony Khan? Of... It had 7,700 views, which isn't a lot. Isn't a lot, but right? But it it went out there. It ended up on people's For You pages that I know. Could this have been passed on to a wrestler or maybe someone in the corporate solid? You know, Nerdy D's not the only person to complain about this. Um, The first thing that I thought of was Everything we've been arguing, everything that he's been arguing and mentioned on his podcast, everything that I've mentioned over the last few weeks here, and we were told we didn't get it. Does Tony Khan not get it? Now that now I understand that the exact move we were talking about in terms of the... Uh, I don't even remember his name. The, the name of Osprey's finisher. It's technically not banned. It doesn't really do, but it does have to get approved. What what does this do? Like Tony Khan, he he gained a little bit of a set of balls and said, "Hey, we got to be safe in this." But, but but here's the bigger question: This takes away the appeal of AEW to some people. No bleeding, 
You know, you can't throw bleeding stuff. You can't interact with the crowd. Tony Khan is super concerned. Now, now part of me also wonders, because they mentioned legal, that legal staff can change this in that little memo. Can we assume that this is legal or the network? What if this is Warner Discovery saying, hey, if we're going to move y'all to to Max, you got to clean this up a little bit. Because I'm still of the idea that they're gonna they're closer to the HBO deal and getting that streaming deal and, and following a Peacock esque model with Max. We've we've seen reports of them moving the twelve pay per views a year, which would make sense if you're gonna pay a shit ton of money to to put AEW on the on Max. You want to get more than four shows out of it. You want to get more than four live shows out of it. And it's not going to be hard to fill up eight other pay-per-views. You, how many of these special free events like Blood and Guts and Battle of the Belts have you, have you put on this year alone? Right? You could fill up 12 pay-per-views. I think it's fine. But a lot of this seems to me that this is a decision from HBO or Warner Discovery saying, hey, we don't want to be associated with a company that actively spits on its, its, its participants in the crowd, its fans. We don't want to see blood on all of our shows on HBO. If someone clicks on an AEW show, we don't want it to be bloody. Eric Bischoff, I said, I think have had the perfect tweet in response. He said, welcome to AEW's PG era. Because as much as we complain about the PG era in WWE, it's there for a reason. And you could stretch it out a little bit. WWE's done a good job sort of walking that line here recently. But welcome to AEW's PG era. Tony Khan, and the second thought that I came to me is, is Tony Khan trying to hide that he's been sued before? Is there some sort of lawsuits that we don't know about that may have happened that led to this? Not not just from wrestlers, but maybe fans who have complained or asked for refunds or threatened lawsuits over maybe being blood being put on them. It's a, it's a dangerous situation. Like, we've seen these documentaries where, like, guys who would blade all the time and would bleed on each other, and they ended up getting, like, hep C or, like, staph infections, and you can't give that... You can't pass disease on to a fan. You'd get sued out of your fucking wealth. Uh, Tony Khan finally said, you know what? I'm going to grow a little bit of my balls back here, grab them back just a little bit, and I'm going to care about the company over what the fans want in terms of entertainment. Now here's my here's my thing. You got to go that step further. Cool, you ban chair shots and all that. That's wonderful. That's a step forward. You got to start banning some of these other stupid shit. So here's my question though. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Adam Page. Um I know Adam Page, from what I understand, is in contract talks right now. Does he walk? There's no allure to stay in AEW. 
You can go to WWE and do make more money, get better shit done for you. You could be a good main carter, Adam Cole. Or, excuse me, Adam Page. You could be a good mid-carter in WWE. Kenny Omega. When your contract ends, do you... Right, I think he just signed a new contract in February. Um, but I don't know how long term it is. I'm actually trying to look it up real quick. Um, okay, so the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega's AEW con. This is from Cultaholic, by the way. Um. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks contracts are believed to be expiring in late 2023. Despite serving as co-founders and EVPs, Omega and the Young Bucks are nearing the end of their contract, with Omega's contract in particular set to expire later in 2023. That was just written about a month ago. So you got Omega. You got Omega. You got Adam Page. You got the Young Bucks. They're all nearing the end of their contract. Is there not the allure to go to WWE and do and, and have to follow some of the same rules? And, and and I was laughed at at the time in 2019 when I was talking to my friends and I was a little bit more hardcore back then. But even then I said, this is what I think is going to happen. You're going to get four, five, six years into AEW and the truth is going to be revealed that that Cody Rhodes, that Adam Page, that Omega, that the Young Bucks, they used Tony Khan for his money to, to get themselves over. Because here was the situation. The American crowd had no idea who they were. They were over in Japan. But the mainstream crowd in America had no idea who they were. And so this was always my assumption with it. And I, and I made this statement, like, in fi- give it five years, and I guarantee you at least three of the names will be gone. Well, I was right about Cody Rhodes. It was easy to see what Cody was doing. It was very easy to see what Cody Rhodes was doing when he got released from WWE. He went to the Indies. He made a name for himself with the goal of always coming back to the company. His daddy was, was a coach for it. His goal was always WWE. And I'm being told by some of these like AEW nerds that they, that no, they wanted to start a company that could be seen as the alternative that you didn't have that the pinnacle of W uh, or excuse me the pinnacle of wrestling isn't WWE anymore. You don't have to go to WWE. There's another company. And I'm sorry, it's just not true. That's just not true until you have an event on the level of. That's a yearly event. It can't just be a one-off event like this Wembley event. But until you have a yearly event that does the type of numbers that WrestleMania does and draws the crowd and the press attention as WrestleMania, WWE will always be the premier product when it comes to wrestling. If I'm a young person training today, my goal is not to go to AEW. That may be a step along the path, but the goal is always to main event WrestleMania. If it's anything short than that, you're fucking around, you're wasting your time. 
If your goal isn't to be the best in the fucking world, what are you doing? You're going to go to the B-tier product in AEW? From a business perspective, if, if you were asked, hey, do you want to go work for, for uh, you know, the Microsoft? Or do you want to go work for some, some second-tier company in the, in the electronics world? If your goal is to just be like a CEO, well, would you rather not be the CEO of Microsoft or some third or fourth-tier product? And that's a bad analogy. I'm very bad at creating analogies, by the way. But the, the point is, is that like WWE creates the biggest stars in the world. And with Nick Khan at the helm, I really feel like when I say stars, I literally mean movie stars, wrestling uh, superstars. Nick Khan is a talent agent, so he has contacts that can get his people into movies. Right? And if I'm AEW... I'm I'm shaking just a little bit. I'm shaking just a little bit in my boots right now because at the end of this year you're you're potentially losing MJF. We don't know the state of his contract and what happened in the debacle last year. But you're potentially losing MJF, you're potentially losing the Young Bucks, you're potentially losing Adam Page, you're potentially losing Kenny Omega and you haven't built jack shit behind them. I'm shitting my pants right now. If I'm if I may if I may EW on the same list though, WWE's got a lot of expiring contracts too. AJ Styles, Randy Orton that I know of. Um obviously Drew got his figured out for some point, we don't know how long. But there's a lot of expiring contracts there that that let me just ask you a genuine question. You have AJ Styles' contract ex- expiring. Do you not let AJ Styles walk so that you could bring in Adam Adam Page? I think you can get a lot more out of Adam Page than AJ Styles right now. Do you not let uh, AJ Styles walk so that you could bring in the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega? I would. I think you can get a lot more out of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega than you can AJ Styles. Now, ultimately, I think AJ Styles is going to stay. But, but if I'm a, if I'm AEW, I'm concerned a little bit, because because if you're gonna go PG, you're taking away the thing that made you unique. So what's there to to stay for, right? And if you're Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, you've made your money, and if you were smart with it, you would have saved it. And I don't know how they are financially, but you could have made your money. You could have been EVP. You could have gone there, and then you could say, you know what? We got ourselves over. We made ourselves champions. We did all this shit. And five years later, it's not even five. It's about three and a half, four years. But five, four or five years later, now we're going to go play mid-card in WWE. Because, listen, they, they, they chose to do AEW because they understood that they would not be a main event player in... I believe they understood that. That they would not be a main event player in WWE. They would have been a, a hot signing, but they wouldn't have made it big time in the main roster. I, Vince would have put them in the mid-card. And I honestly, that's where they deserve to be. 
so they went, they started AEW, I think, to raise their stock in the eyes of WWE, but to also say, hey, let, if we're not going to be main eventers there, we're going to main event in our own product. And then once we make our money from from Khan here, who we can push around and do whatever we want, and we can take his money, we don't have to support this. Like, Tony Khan got absolutely used in this deal, and then they could walk away. Like, Tony Khan's going to look foolish if his every EVP he hired to start the company walked out. Now, I'm not sitting here going to guarantee that they, they leave, but there's a chance that they could. Do you not leave? Do you not at least contemplate going to WWE at this point? Where their numbers are higher than ever, and AEW seems to be struggling to hit a million people on their on their A show. And so, I think there could be some connotations to to losing that uniqueness. If you're John Moxley and you are not allowed to bleed that much anymore, do you not contemplate going back to WWE or just working indie events? Do you not contemplate going back to the biggest company in the world that made you the superstar you are? I would if I'm Moxley, right? So, so I I think. I think there's a lot that we could we could see change in AEW from decisions like this. I love the decision, but it takes away the uniqueness of of a of an AEW. There's nothing unique about them. They're they're just WWE again because this model works and it's safe. And Tony Khan obviously chose safety over a cheap pop. Right now now now, now you just got to try to convince the fans of the product to do the same thing. All right, let's talk about the SmackDown that 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 happened Friday night. Um, uh, overall, I still think it was sort of a slow. It wasn't tough, I would say per se. I just think that outside of the Bloodline story, they have done a very bad job booking anything, and when you don't have Roman on the show. It, it runs very slow. And you have a promo. Like The Bloodline didn't need to have a promo in the ring tonight. I just... That story's starting to get super... You know, copy and paste. Repeat, rinse, repeat, do it again. It's starting to get a little stale. Not stale as in bad, but stale as in... Like, I've, I've, I've eaten this flavor last week. Why are we doing it again this week? And it, it almost feels like we, it obviously is coming towards the end of the line for it, for at least this iteration of it. And it just seems like it's it's running super it, it's running super slow. There's not a lot going on in it, and it's everything's just sort of repeating. Um, but other than that, like you had uh, pretty deadly versus Sheamus and Ridge. It was an okay match. Um, here's the thing with Ridge. Like, why do we have Ridge trying to do all this this special stuff? Like, Ridge Holland should be butch, but bigger. Like, Ridge Holland, if they're going to call him Ridge the Fridge, he should just be running over people, and that's all he does. He doesn't need to be going on the top rope and doing all these special things. Just have him run over people. He's a rugby player. Let him run over players, over people. Um, at the end of the day, though, everything gets overshadowed because 
for the first time since Money in the Bank, L.A. Knight shows up on TV. Now, they, they had a normal fatal... They had a fatal four-way to determine... The winner would go and face Austin Theory, is what we were under the assumption of. And Santos surprisingly won that match. Santos Escobar wins. I thought it was going to be Grayson Waller. Um, very good match. There were parts in it where I was like, eh, we don't really need to do this. It's not beneficial. Um, but Santos picking up sort of that surprise win, I'm fine with that decision. I think Santos Escobar is a very good competitor, very good superstar. Um, he's entertaining at times. The re- I just think the rest of LWL makes no sense since none of them can win um, other than Santos. Um, and then, you know, we go to the commercial. LA Knight comes back to start the show, and he comes down and basically says, you know what, I'm going for the title as well. They announce another fatal four-way with Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Cameron Grimes, and then... L.A. Knight. This is obvi- This obviously has to be L.A. Knight winning this match. If L.A. Knight does not win next week, uh, like I'm not a hundred percent away from saying he's not buried. I, I there's a little bit in me that's like, you know what? I I might actually be wrong on this one, and they're gonna push him. I I think they have no choice but to push him. I want them to push him. Going off of the sort of logic though that I tend to, tend to do. It just, the way they've booked them doesn't look like they're going to push them. But I want them to. The dude's over as fuck. Like, you can't deny the response that he got. You can't deny the response that LA Knight got. Like, you can't just leave it alone and not do anything with it. And they got a strike while it's hot right now. And and, and I think he's going to be the next U.S. champion. Um, And so we'll, we'll sort of end it there. Um, we'll end this with doing uh, some questions from the Discord here. So I pull these up. These are all going to be from DJ Wavy D uh, this week. He, he he does a good job making questions and everything like that. And and I and these are just the three that I know of that I I've per, I've seen and I'm not really it's kind of late and I'm and these Saturday shows, I enjoy them, but I feel like I, I try to make these a little bit shorter than the, the Wednesday show because I want this to more so be just sort of like, here's a, uh, I don't want it to be, you know, where you have to listen to three hours of content for me every single week because on Wednesday, because what tends to happen is, is a lot of the news and stuff as we move from Friday night when I record this to Tuesday night when I record the Wednesday episode, there's a longer gap than what happens in between from Tuesday to Friday. So from you have Wednesday, Thursday, right? And then Friday's news to go on the Saturday show. And then to go on the the next Wednesday, you're, you're going to have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? So there's a little bit longer gap. That's why the Wednesday shows tend to be a little bit longer. And I tend to answer a few more questions on that Wednesday show. Um, this show for Saturdays though, I tend to just try to keep it small and, and lighthearted, um, to where we're not really discussing a lot. Um, but I do like these questions and I really just don't have the 
the want to right now to go and find other questions from earlier in the week that I haven't answered. I'll probably go through and answer some. some if, if you've asked a question, either ask it again or um, I'll go back and find it at some point to, to answer probably next Wednesday. Um, but these are all from DJ Wavy D. So the first one is, what are your thoughts on WWE having a one to two hour weekly show just dedicated to the women's division to help build it up? In theory, I love it. I love this idea. Now, I'm, I, I'm scared of it because I don't know the reception it would get. I think it would get over. I just... Here's my fear. My fear is that it would just be another hour of Oscar, Bianca, and Charlotte. That that would be my fear, is that they would try to... Like, like we need something like this, absolutely. But if they made it to where... They just displayed the mid-card of the women's roster. I would be all for this. We don't need the top stars on a show like this. But if you build a mid-card women's title to put on this show, and you put, you know, two or three matches in the mid-card on this show, and you had, like, a mid-card title champion for this, like, brand specific for this women's show, I'd be all for it. You could get, you know, this the story with Shotzi and Bailey. Um, you could get, you know, a lot of the mid card women built up there and I would be all for it. I I, I think that this would work. Um I it just it, we can't just have it be another show Charlotte shows up on though. It has to be just for, like, like if you're going to put another hour or two on either on TV or on Peacock or wherever you would put it, it can't be another, it has, it would have to be to build and literally build the mid, like from the ground up, the mid card of the women's division. It couldn't be something where you just put on the same four or five people you put on, on Raw or SmackDown. It would have to be for the mid card. You, you can't put a Charlotte and a Becky on there and expect it to be any different than than what we already get on Raw and SmackDown. Um, so yes, I do agree with the idea that we do need something like this, and I'd be all for an all-woman's show like this to build that division. All right, a second question is like, so on SmackDown tonight, um, the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley entered a limo together, and the speculation is that it's, the Hurt Business um, reforming. Um, and then sort of... The, so I guess the question is more so like, what do I feel on it? I'm all for it. I've been calling for the Hurt Business to come back for a while. Now here's the cool, interesting thing that I don't think we've recognized is Cedric Alexander and the... What the fuck's his name? Shelton Benjamin are free agents. They haven't showed up on a show that I know of yet, like, officially. I think they've made one or two appearances in, like, dark matches or, like, like squash matches. Um, but Omos is also a free agent who hasn't showed up yet. So is this going to be, like, a new Hurt business where it's Lashley and those two, the Street Profits? And, it, like, so if MPV... I can't speak, apparently. If MVP gets involved in this faction as the leader, you would assume because he was last seen with Omos, Omos is the fourth member. Does that mean, though, that Cedric and 
Shelton are on the team as well, and we're going to get like a six-person faction. And could this be something where Carmelo and Trick also join? And this leads to another idea that, I, that I've had. WWE is clearly moving to faction building, where, where they're going to have four or five main factions. So when I say this, if you're not a hardcore fan, you may not get these references. But in New Japan Pro Wrestling, so I'm not super hardcore, but I used to watch New Japan every now and then. They had um, Los Ignobles de Japan, or the Ingovernables of Japan. You had the Bullet Club, and you had Suzuki Gun, I think was another group that they had. They had a bunch of factions. And and, and, and members of, of, of the roster could like pick a faction to be a part of. And they aligned themselves with factions, and the factions had leaders, and you could have inner... Faction rivalries and and intra, you know, you know, I'm gonna fight this. I'm in Bullet Club, but I'm gonna fight this guy in in um, Los Ignobles de Japan, uh, and and we're not gonna feud as a faction. It's just one member versus one member. So then another member feuds with Suzuki, a member of Suzuki Goon, and all that other right. And I think WWE is gonna move to something similar like that, to where we have the Hurt Business, as a giant faction who picks up members. And you have the Bloodline, who becomes sort of like that Samoan faction. And you have uh, LWO, and you have Judgment Day, and we become like faction-oriented, where it's sort of like a team or a gang that you're part of. Um, and, and you represent your gang or your team, versus just being sort of alone. And, and I think that's what we're moving towards with, with WWE. Um, and so I could I could definitely see like an eight-person hurt business being a thing. I could definitely see that happening. Um, and then his last question, and this is where we'll end it. Would you be interested in WWE incorporating more real-life couples into its storytelling universe like Seth and Becky and have it play into like a mixed match challenge. Um, I'd say yes, I'm for it. Um, but I want the WWE universe to expand outside of the ring. What I mean by that is there is no reason in the world why WWE should not be producing like a behind the scenes reality show of what happens on the road. Where you could see Seth and Becky on the road together. And you could see Raquel and Braun on the road together. And what goes on in their day-to-day life. And and you could see all these other couples that, that we know exist. right? And you could even see sort of like what Charlotte has to go through with Andrade working in a different company. Or Rhea having to play like love interest of, of Dominic. But her, her actual lover is in AEW. Like and like, what that relationship feels like on the road. Like I would love a reality type show where where we saw the behind the scenes of WWE. You know, the, the we're in an age it, it, right now where you know this. I went back. If we go back a couple episodes, uh, probably a month or so ago, and I talked about kayfabe, and I thought kayfabe was dead. We're in an age with social media, with TikTok, and with all of these things where the wrestlers are posting things that are anti-kayfabe, that are anti the storyline, where where heels and faces hang out, and, and we're on yachts and all of that. 
if we're going to do that, produce a reality show that does that. And 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 I think that would that, that could build more of a casual audience who may not like the wrestling side of the business, but to see sort of the behind the scenes reality drama in in what goes on behind the curtain. I think, you know, and people love this type of shit. Like uh, dark side of the ring. People love to hear these stories of what happens behind the curtain. And who these people were behind the curtain. People eat this shit up. WWE should be producing, you know, reality shows like this. We should have a reality contest every year of, like, tough enough, who becomes the next WWE superstar, who earns a contract at the Performance Center. We should still be doing that. I don't see a reason why you won't do that. And you could take, like, TikTok stars. Like, imagine a show where where you find these TikTok influencers who may be, you know, a little bit athletic or who could dance or who... Right? Picture like before Addison Ray and Dix, uh, and Dixie and and uh, what's the other Demelio uh, girl like before they got super big and famous like if if WWE would have had a reality show where where they would have been competing for a WWE like contract people would have ate that shit up. I honestly I honestly don't think there are that many people who if if you know if Addison Ray showed up on WWE in a reality show that would be like oh, I don't like this because it's wrestling. And I think it, it it broadens who watches the WWE needs to definitely have a reality type show. But if you're talking about like having Becky and Seth like in a storyline together, I was not a big fan of that because they were on different paths leading up to it. And and, and I'm not the biggest fan. Like, we know that Becky and Seth are together. Um, but the characters are not. It's, it's, it's Colby. I don't actually know Seth Rollins' real last name, but it's Colby and Rebecca Quinn who are together. And I think for the sake of the character, you have to separate that. Um, so like I, let's say, um, Buddy Matthews, Rhea Ripley's, uh, boyfriend, Buddy Murphy would, were to come back to WWE. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't bring him on TV and sort of institute him as her real life lover while you're, you're, you know, cashing in on, on the mommy gimmick. You just wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. You just wouldn't do it. Um, it wouldn't make any sense to do that. Um, so I, I don't think on the wrestling product, we need more storylines with couples, but I definitely think WWE should do a behind the scene reality type show that USA can air. Cause USA doesn't have mint original content. You could have a, like, like what I would do is have a reality type show that you air on USA network. On Wednesday nights. Put it against direct competition against Dynamite. Because they don't have any anyway. Now, the problem with that is you'll be going against Real Housewives. Which will definitely get the, the viewership. Um, but but I think, you know, 
what you know it would be cool to see like Carmella behind the scenes pregnant and her interactions with Corey Graves on the road while he's gone or you know a wrestler like Liv Morgan gets hurt or Dakota Kai gets hurt and to see sort of like the behind the scenes of of their life while injured would be an interesting thing for us to see and I'm all for behind-the-scenes content. Anything that, that produces, you know, that type of content, that would be fantastic. Um, so I hope that answered your question. Um, let me know what you guys think of this episode, and I appreciate you guys listening. Um, just, I really I really do appreciate this, uh, the fact that you guys, um, you know, react to this show as well. As you guys do and you, you know, if you're in the discord and you you have this conversation and it's funny, like I never really see myself as an expert on wrestling. I kind of just sit here and talk just to fucking talk. Um, But for you guys to sit there and see me as sort of like the, the sort of expert on this and and that, that it's crazy because like the IWC always sits here and says my opinions are relevant. And so the, the sort of love that the, uh, casual community has sort of given over the last you know this is episode 90 so over the last you know year now with this podcast that I've been a part of sort of like actively in the casual community in the group here like it's it's cool the movement we're building and the community we're building um through you know just people talking and, and allowing opinions to be shared and so it's, 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 it's cool. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, and, uh, yeah, the last thing I'll say is uh, check out Queen City Pro Wrestling. That's my online 2K sim that I do um, with me on commentary. Um, let me know what you guys think about it if you do watch it. And uh, if there's things you would want me to change about it, I'm always, uh, you know, open ears to... To try to fix things to make it look better and the and the feel better um, and hopefully to, to grow that to something bigger. Um, but yeah, thank you guys again for listening. And until Wednesday, y'all have a great weekend and I'll see you again on Wednesday.